0: You're listening to the Movie Fail podcast. I'm Oakwood Dilly.
1: And I'm Haley.
0: Let's get into Luke Cage season one. Yeah. So, I guess my biggest question that I always ask everybody when it comes to Luke Cage is comfortability. Like, how comfortable were you going into such a different setting? Uh, such a diverse setting such a d- diverse set of characters and like barely any white characters
1: at um, all
0: in the whole series
1: yeah no I was actually all for it and I was not um uncomfortable with it at all and it was I don't want to say it's not something that I noticed but it just was something that I was like yeah okay this makes sense it's Luke Cage and it was actually my boyfriend who brought it up and was like something feels like weird about this I don't know what it is. And he said, Oh, wait, no, no, no. There's no white people. That's what it is. And I was like, Yeah, whatever. I'm sick of white people. I'm fine. <laughs> um, yeah. It didn't bother me at all.
0: Yeah, and and for me, uh, specifically for the superhero genre, it was such a fresh feeling. Mm-hmm. It was like, and like the conversations that they were having, the way they were engaging with each other. The history that they were conversing about whether it be about pop culture or about interpersonal history mm-hmm. um some of the some of the terms that they were using towards each other like um mariah calling uh color struck, like you don't mm-hmm. hear those lines in in mainstream television never mind a superhero show so the way they were able to differentiate characters uh, make them so unique and relatable in a mostly black setting right. was just a, was really fresh to me.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I didn't even think about it until I saw, you know, stuff popping up that was like, white people are calling the show racist on Twitter. And I was like, what? what? And then just reading all those tweets that were like, there's no white people. Is this racist? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. I I can't I yeah, deal I with almost, it. I was almost
0: I was almost expecting like some sort of like push for like more white characters in Luke Cage, kind of like a reverse version of what might happen in another superhero show. But uh, more important to me was, I guess, how how it changed how it engaged, how the show engaged. It got the re- the viewers engaged, like starting the show in a barber shop, mm-hmm. um, which especially in a place like Harlem is a is a very like communal area, um, kind of, almost like a barbecue type of setting, um, just me- stuff like that just really caught my eye. Um, even Luke Cage, he was very different than how he is in the comics uh i guess we can delve with uh, we can kind of move into that uh the luke cage as a character um so in jessica jones he's he fit i guess the air the alias like jessica jones era luke cage Mm -hmm. in that he was kind of like you know trying to mind his own business uh do his own thing and then jessica kind of like drags him along into her mess and he's kind of like that rock that she kinda leans on over time. Though right. of course things went sideways on the show. Right. <laughs> but in his own show, and this is actually a pretty staunch difference from the Luke in the comics, they shaped him more as a as a black Captain America than uh, kind of like a man of the, I like guess, like a guy that would fit absolutely dead center in Harlem. Um, with him being from the South, uh, Mike Coulter, as an actor, uh, he definitely wouldn't fit the comic style of Cage. Right. And uh, he's, especially, like I mean, even with him in uh, The Good Wife or, like, in other material. He's much more, like, straight, straightforward, straight and narrow, kind of, like, uh, almost, like, a little bit stilted in comparison to, especially in comparison to, like, maybe, like, a comic book style Luke Cage, where he's more bombastic.
1: Right. And I know I read um, in an interview that Mike Coulter actually said that he was originally hesitant about um, being Luke Cage because he didn't want... Um, to, betray, to betray, to portray, to um, portray a character who was created for you know stereotypical black type stuff. He didn't want to f- be that role, so he only agreed when the creators were like, "No, no, no! I promise you, we are not going down that route at all. Like, we are doing something completely different." So yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense.
0: Right, and it also fit some of the. I guess the references and the uh, and like yeah, the the references that were you know popping up in the show, mm-hmm. like the mention of Easy Rollins and th- some of those like old school black detective novels. Uh, some, for instance, like Misty Knight fit those types of novels to a T. A woman mm-hmm. of the people, a woman of the neighborhood, but she also has to balance that as being a woman of the law, and, and all that. Right, um, and right. the supporting characters in general were just fantastic in the show. I absolutely adored them more yes. so than any other Netflix show.
1: Yeah, just oh, I'm I can't think of his name now. I'm blanking his name, but the character who ends up um, essentially taking over the barbershop.
0: Oh, yeah, he, yeah the chess a player, friend, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh, I loved him. I thought he was. I thought it
0: was so funny. Oh yeah, From like he has some of the lines best lines about... towards the end. Oh yeah, even the, even his first lines in the in the uh, beginning of the show when he was talking about like if you have uh, whether you have it or you don't, mm-hmm. like he was just he was just always that guy that had the right lines at the right time. Uh, Definitely, and of course his lines on Diamondback, I think like almost cemented the character more than any of his actions.
1: Yes. Yes. I I I really appreciated um how the show had um took on how the comic was black and then decided to put a, a new spin on it. Like still kind of take um the um themes that you see in black films and all that um type of media but then be like, nope, we're going to update it. So we'll stay sort of close to our roots, but we're also going to make this so it's not stereotypical, so it's not offensive, so it's something that we can own and that we can take back.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you could kind of, what I always, I mean, what I'm, I guess, trying to formulate in my own, like, my own, like, written reviews is that you can kind of see the influences from essentially each ki- villain focus. So when Cottonmouth was the main problem, when he was the guy running the show, it was very, you know, almost like Black Noir
2: in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, where, you know, it was, more, it was more gritty. It was more dealing with the, the problems of the neighborhood and trying to essentially take down uh, a crime boss p- brick by brick. But by the time Diamondback showed up, it was far more comic booky. Uh, like like kind of like a weird mix of black exploitation and comic books. Mm-hmm. And I think that had more yeah. to do with uh how out there Diamondback was.
1: Yes. And just how <laughs> completely like insane he is. And I I, I have this issue where I'm really tired of tragic backstories for villains. Like, I just don't care anymore. I don't care if they had some sad event happen to them. So it's like, oh, poor them. Or it's like the juxtaposition where it's like both the superhero and the villain had tragic backstories, but you see how they both chose different routes. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) I'm tired. I want just a villain who was just kind of insane, which diamondback kind of is i mean he does have a sad backstory but he's also just insane and i was all for it all for it
0: right you're right and a common complaint about diamondback is that his backstory like you couldn't buy that his backstory would lead to something like that and i think that was like honestly the point Mm -hmm. like his backstory yeah as sad as it was was never going to Uh, like meet up uh, essentially justified the amount of zaniness
2: Mm -hmm.
0: his scheme entailed framing luke cage torturing him in prison trying to get him killed and then trying to get him killed all over again when he found him again like no yeah no i mean he he had like and he also filled in the role of a villain that could actually take him on i mean even with extra technology you never got the feeling that cottonmouth could really take down Luke Cage. Right. It, there was always this feeling like Cottonmouth was essentially going to implode uh, more, well before Luke Cage even gets to him. And how he I imploded mean, was... Oof.
1: Anyone who decides to deal with a problem with a rocket launcher um, <laughs> may be setting himself up for failure. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, I mean, when it comes to fall from graces, I mean, some like, usually in, like, I guess, like, you know, like, a Breaking Bad or, like, The Shield or, like, Scarface, you see, like, it, I mean, a crime boss just, like, fall from grace by, like, tragically, like, having his own vices get in the way. I feel like each ma- major moment of Cottonmouth's fall from grace was actually an awesome moment. Yes. Um,
1: totally agree. Him
0: shooting his... Him shoot, uh, shooting a rocket launcher Was a terrible idea But it was an awesome moment
1: And it was just um, so th- funny Like I have in my notes Bazooka in all caps And then just like <laughs> 15 question marks And exclamation points I was just like what just happened Like really that's what you thought The best course of action was going to gonna be Was it- okay Okay sure that makes sense mm-hmm.
0: and, and And the placement Of that bazooka and the, the the course of the episode was just fantastic. It was just you know just a happy moment with Luke and his uh and his uh landlord and everything was all nice and then the music started just going bonkers with Cottonmouth lifting up a rocket launch and shooting it. It was just hilarious
1: <laughs> And what's so bizarre is how that ridiculous moment opened up the next episode to be a really important episode. Like, right. I, I didn't it, see that coming. Yeah. Did not. see Yeah. That it
0: honestly, just it. It turned what was one of the most bonkers moments in the entire season into uh, an easy access to an origin story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, and not just an origin story, but it gave us more of an idea on why Riva was so important to Luke. You didn't get to see that in, Luke, in uh, Jessica Jones because, you know, the show was about Jessica Jones, not Luke.
1: Exactly. And, like, so the more I've been thinking about Reva... The, okay. So there were a lot of, I think, all the Marvel, um, Netflix Marvel shows deal really well with, like, subtle hints to their other shows. Like, you know, we had Trish talk and we had Claire always saying, like, I know a really good lawyer. And, right. Um. Um, oh, I can't think of her name. Uh Cottonmouth's cousin. Why can't oh, oh, I her name? Oh, Mariah being like, oh, there was a you know woman who killed a man because she was mind controlled. Like, there was all these like subtle references which I loved. And I'm gonna come back to that other Jessica Jones reference from Mariah, because that was a whole thing of itself. But anyways, mm-hmm. the whole thing with Reva had me thinking about how actually it' Let's see, how do I say this? So, like, I felt like all the references to the other shows have been very subtle and kind of just like, oh, look, you know, you guys were, you guys want to hear about the other shows, so we're going to give you something. Um, but the thing with Reva really impacts Jessica Jones because, so you're sitting there, the more you learn about Reva, the more you're like, wow, huh. Like, who was Reva? Was she really this person who, you know, Luke is really should be mourning? And then in turn, is it really someone that Jessica should be beating herself up over killing? Like, is she... I mean, maybe part of it can be like, well, regardless of who she was, you know, Jessica will still feel guilty. But I feel like the all the character development we've got with Reva really affects what we saw in Jessica Jones and how she... Was dealing with a lot of her turmoil in the show, and that's so fascinating to me how they really are interconnecting these two shows.
0: Right, and and another part about and I guess Riva is how she connects to Kilgrave, because mm-hmm. now that we know that she you know interacted with things that you know turn into a superhuman situation it makes me wonder how much she knew about Kilgrave before her life essentially ended. Mm -hmm. Whether it be being by his side or, you know, Jessica actually killing her. But I might have to rewatch Jessica Jones just to see if there was like, I don't know, something I'd missed because it feels like she might have known about Kilgrave or at least people like Kilgrave.
1: Right, no, and that, honestly, like, the more we learn, and the more we see in Luke Cage, it it makes sense, and it, you know, totally puts into place why she would have something on Kilgrave, and just, like, I feel like, you know, Daredevil isn't that connected to any of the other shows, like, you know, um, Daredevil, besides Claire saying, I know a really good lawyer, isn't really connected to Luke Cage, or, like, it's just so interesting, I mean, I guess it makes sense, because Luke and Jessica are so connected in the comics, right um but i don't know i just and i mean i guess it's still kind of subtle but it's just so fascinating
2: uh
0: i'd actually wager that you know in the same way luke cage and jessica jones are connected i believe iron fist and daredevil will be connected because most likely iron fist is gonna have iron fist will have to deal with the hand right at some point
1: yeah no, that's really so, true. Or at
0: least somebody affiliated. Yeah. But uh speaking of connectivity, Claire. Claire the being best. with uh, yeah, her being on the show, first off, she helped elevate it in my opinion. Oh yeah. Um, she was she was much more a part of the show than she had been since uh yeah, since Season two of Daredevil, maybe.
1: I would say really like,
2: any of them.
0: Just... Yeah, and she actually got true character development, unlike yeah. the other shows where she's more like being essentially being the night nurse, in all mm-hmm. but name.
1: What a good show, The Night Nurse.
0: <laughs> uh, if there was any justice in the world, Defenders would really be the Night Nurse, and like true. each episode, different Defenders would show up. <laughs>
1: True. I'm really hoping that they they set up what she has in the comics, which is you know how she has her own little like uh, clinic for you know people or superheroes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: But I guess one thing that I've noticed is, and. I guess Claire comes uh, comes came to mind when I brought uh, when I thought about it because she's now with Luke. Is that mm-hmm. one thing that Luke Cage has done that actually has never happened in any of the uh, Marvel related material is actually allow uh, black characters to be. Actually, like actually like sexual beings to be honest mm. i know that's really random but besides jessica jones and you know luke being there and all and all that craziness like think about it uh war machine is pretty much the sidekick of tony stark everybody saw in avengers too how he doesn't he he's pretty much the sidekick his stories aren't as fun mm-hmm. falcon is the backup for captain america Mm -hmm. he's you know he's kind of like off to the side even black panther well for now is kind of like a stoic like i need to kill bucky type of guy right like a lot of them were you know guys that had clear mission statements and but not much beyond that yet for luke he was allowed to be the guy that reads like old school black novels, the the guy that gets to, that like may have like a reputation with the with was like women and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. he kind of has a code of conduct. So like, don't lie to him, and don't lie to him a lot, which uh both Misty and Jessica messed up on. Right. <laughs> I mean, no, I
1: mean. It, it allowed. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: allowed them to be like three dimensional that's what i
1: mean yeah no no no. it actually makes a lot of sense though because if you think about it that's um common in a lot of situations where um there are um like black male characters because it's always been this kind of unspoken thing about like white guys are afraid of um you know african-american sexuality and it's like There's just kind of this underlying feeling of threat, and so let's do anything we can to diminish it, not talk about it, make them, you know, not bad at all. So there's no feeling of, like, competition. And no, it it makes a lot of sense why these other characters kind of are just very, like, in the background. So it's very important and awesome because I've been waiting for... Claire to kind of have someone and they're just like the perfect fit spoilers they're just the perfect like <laughs> match and I'm just so happy so happy even though I do like Jessica and Luke together I'm totally fine with this in the meantime or in general Oh yeah I'm totally fine with it
2: yeah,
0: yeah I, I totally agree uh, I feel like I feel like Claire I, I mean, Claire and Matt Murdoch always felt always felt wrong with me i felt like matt was just buying time mm-hmm. before Electra came along mm-hmm. uh, and like i feel like she, he was just way too reckless for her essentially yeah but with somebody like luke a, a type of guy who would rather lay low than like go bonkers in the streets like it, it just it, it seemed more right
1: yeah um going back to like the different um, Marvel, Netflix shows, what I think is interesting, I guess this kind of connects also to what we were talking about in the beginning, it really makes sense that Luke Cage is set, um, in Harlem, and it's set in its own place, and thank God it's set somewhere outside of Hell's Kitchen, because I was going to lose my mind, I swear to God, like, you have Spider-Man, who's all over, all over Manhattan, then you have Daredevil, who's in Hell's Kitchen, then you have Jessica Jones, who's in Hell's Kitchen. So, like, okay, Hell's Kitchen's pretty covered. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe. But I was going to, like, lose. Like, how many superheroes does Hell's Kitchen in New York need? Like, I'm going to lose my damn mind. So, it makes sense that, going back to my original point, that uh, Luke is in Harlem because, A, I feel like so far each show has been its own unique lens of new york city so to place luke in any other you know borough essentially other than harlem would have been really weird like it wouldn't have made sense oh
0: yeah oh yeah yeah and i i mean and more so than any of the other shows this this one allowed harlem to have it to be its own living Mm -hmm. uh setting with its own history with uh, I mean, it even referenced, and I don't know if anybody or, like, few people caught it, but it even referenced that the fight in Incredible Hulk, that one Marvel movie that nobody really watches, <laughs> the last fight between the Hulk and Abomination happened in Harlem. Mm. I think Mariah was the one who brought that up. And somehow incorporated... It was either Mariah or the kid with the bootleg DVDs. Mm. Just did a slight reference that even ref like i just even brought up that fight which seems to be ignored most of the time but a lot But harlem had like a full-on history of Mm -hmm. each of the characters like essentially were connected with each other knew each other and one of the one of the key examples and it was an example that i never really expected was zip of all people one out of two of the really stupid flunkies Mm -hmm. cottonmouth had Mm -hmm. But the one that lived longer. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I
0: mean, you'd have you'd have people constantly referencing his dad, and essentially saying you don't you're not living up to him. You're, you're pretty much trash at this point. And like he would ignore it. He would ignore it and keep falling over himself, keep failing, and eventually get taken out. But just moments like that it added to even the the lowly the kind of like the low-end characters it made them more real than like mm-hmm. even some supporting cast members you may see on other shows.
1: Mhm. No, I totally agree. I uh loved Oh, oh no,
0: go, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, no, I, uh, no, go ahead this time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I was just going to say how much I loved um the music and um, in particular, how a lot of the songs, especially in the beginning, um, were more um, in, the j- in the jazz, what is that word? In the jazz genre? Wow. That is hard to say. Jazz, jo- okay, I'm not going to try to say it again. Jazz genre. Um, we're, we're, say it
0: fast five times.
1: <laughs> seriously. Were um, jazz songs because I felt like it was almost kind of this... Um, direct message well maybe direct indirect of like hey guess what did you guys forget that like jazz was invented by us because seems like it's been taken over by white people and that's not okay we're taking it back like a lot of the show felt like white people you have been taking our stuff for way too long and I'm we're sick of it and everything that you've appropriated and taken from us, we are taking back. And we are showing you how it fits in our culture and how it is our culture. And I was like, yes. As a white person, I was like, yes. Good job.
0: <laughs> and it's funny that are you funny you bring that up because even Mariah's campaign was based around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the fact that she was, you know, being totally shady about it. And it was actually a part of uh, both Mariah and Cottonmouth's motivations just in entirely different ways yeah but back to the music um i absolutely loved it uh it was yes. like it was like a gift the whole the, the whole the soundtracks throughout the entire show was like a gift they used uh my they used one of my favorite wu-tang clan songs and uh mm. assault on the uh the um atticus uh building yes um they used my favorite Jindena song as the opening montage when Claire showed up, which was so awesome. I
1: actually ended up buying that song because I'm like, this song is awesome. I need this.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I remember actually buying that song when it first came out. And mm-hmm. I was just like, like th- that song was like my soundtrack for the next few weeks. So when I saw it on the show, I was like, whoa. Are you serious right now? Like, does this show love me or something? <laughs> like, I, I don't like this. Is, this is awesome. And then my favorite rapper, my fir- the first rapper I'd ever listened to, showing, uh, getting a cameo, getting props from uh, Luke Cage himself, and doing a freestyle on Sway, on Sway's radio station. It's so Message good. Man just oh. being a part of it. It was so great.
1: It was so, so great. great. And he had such a beautiful exchange with the guy. I was like, Oh my god, it's Method Man. I love you. Really, dude? Really? You're robbing us right yeah. now. Are you really trying to like Oh Oh, it was so good. Yes. That was fantastic. And honestly, going back to um it's Jindena, correct? Or is it Jindena? Yep. Okay. Um uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't like pronouncing things incorrectly. Um it, honestly what's so crazy about those lyrics is like listening to them i'm like this is mind blowing that it came out before the show because i'm like to cottonmouth himself write these lyrics i mean honestly this sounds like this song was made for him <laughs> and everything he's like trying <laughs> to do and be
0: oh yeah it fit it, it fit him to a t and like wa- like watching him like, seeing him watch the performance so intently, I was like, even he yes. knows it's his song.
1: Yes. I wish they had all kind of been musical montages, because that was my favorite opener to all the episodes. That was oh, my yeah. favorite, like, moment.
0: Oh, yeah. Way better than, like, especially better than, like, the flashback.
1: hmm Well, not
0: even the flashback, the flash-forward intros, and then, like,
1: really they confusing. would eventually go back
0: to those scenes.
1: Yeah, and they were so confusing because they only happened like once or twice. They weren't consistent, so I then I got confused when I realized like, oh, this episode didn't start as a flashback. Okay, like I did not like that. That was one of the things I didn't like about the show.
0: Yeah, and and neither did I. I mean, I did. I do absolutely love the intro, but like it would alternate from having scenes before the intro or then having the intro
1: that was also really confusing yeah um and then the other thing oh my god that like drove me nuts like drove me absolutely bonkers was when they were um doing the hostage situation and misty misty's um boss people were telling them like hey the hostage the hostages are saying that like luke isn't involved in this and she was like we'll figure it out we'll figure it out and then, and then he finally comes out, and she's like, yeah, we believe you now, so it's, to- it's totally fine. What? <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> like, right, they spent so much time on those internal politics, and only for her to, event- to like, just pull- roll it all back and be like, yeah, you're cool, don't worry, we got you. Yeah,
1: like, okay, if it had been the next episode... And um, she had been like, yeah, you know, we were talking – we've been interviewing the hostages, and um, I believe you're probably not the guy we're looking for. That would have been fine. But, like, immediately in the same episode, she's like, yeah, um, so we believe you, that you're a good guy. Um, JK, sorry. My bad. (laughs) It was very weird. It was very weird.
0: And it actually took – it took away a little bit from – the theme that they were trying to roll with a uh, misty side of the story, which mm-hmm. is that no matter you know, despite your best efforts, the system may just screw you over, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it.
1: Yeah. And then this is like the last thing that I didn't like of the show because overall, I really, really liked Luke Cage, even though it started for me kind of slow in the first episode because I was not expecting it to pick up where it did, I was kind of expecting, like, an immediate pickup, like, right after seeing him, like, okay, I've just left Jessica's apartment, where the hell am I gonna go, um, so it took me a minute to, like, orient myself and be like, okay, we are somewhere in time, don't know when, I'm just gonna have to figure that out, um, but I lost my train of thought, oh, yes, um, the fight scene, boss fight was very anti climatic
0: yeah there, there were ways yeah there were ways that they could have uh set it up that wasn't as um i don't know it it, it, it didn't have enough impact there were mm-hmm. there were definitely ways they could have handled it differently especially how they they were juxtaposing it was the boxing mm-hmm. talk um, they tried to make it work, but
2: yeah.
0: I feel like if they had, I don't know, watched maybe uh, a Creed or something and seen how those boxing scenes go down, mm-hmm. it would have it worked a little bit better. And, yeah. you know, just add a little bit more impact shots, maybe like, uh, and l- like way less throwing around, essentially. Yeah.
1: And honestly, it would have helped a lot if they didn't have Claire just going Simba. Remember who <laughs> you are. <laughs> because, like, honestly, that's all I could think of when she was like, Remember who you are. I was like, Simba. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> I, they should have known. They should have picked a different phrase. Or maybe a meaningful glance. I would have been like, uh, oh, it's still cliche, but that would have been better than Lion King. Because <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh.
0: Yeah, or they, I mean,. One thing that I personally love, especially when it comes to uh, uh, messing around their fight scenes, is kind of like inverting expectations. Where mm-hmm. instead of having them, like, you know, gain some inspiration and, like, you know, fight it out, they could have just had them cheat. <laughs> just yeah. Straight up, like, kick them in the leg or something like that. Like, just straight up cheat to win and just. Because sometimes a win's a win, especially when you're about to, like, die fighting against the guy.
1: But I guess it makes sense why they wouldn't do that. Because I guess Luke's fight through the entire season was being the good guy and being, like, this honorable figure. Like, who's, you know, like, yeah, I'm a black guy in a hoodie, but that means nothing. Like, I am a good person. I will do what's right no matter what. So, like, I guess it makes sense, like, why he wouldn't cheat, but... I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, i I'm, yeah That's a good point. That's a good point. And they still had to essentially push the the borderline. He's black, Captain America.
1: Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. That's a really good comparison. Like I hadn't really yeah. thought about that, but it, it really is true. That's that's kind of who they did set him up as. I don't really right, like Captain and... America. Though I like Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America's too boring. I don't know.
0: You know, it's pretty funny. Um, Steve Rogers is actually, I wouldn't say he's my, uh, he's around my top five favorite heroes. Mm. He, and he's actually, and right now in the comics, spoiler alert, he's actually one of my top five villains right now.
1: Um, um, I refuse to believe that that is an actual storyline that is canon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't acknowledge that storyline. It doesn't exist. If if Chris Evans also doesn't believe it, then I too do not believe it. That's all I'm gonna say about uh, that. And,
2: all
0: right. Well, uh, skipping <laughs> over that one. Um, <laughs> uh, back to the whole uh, Black Captain America uh, mm-hmm. thing. It fit more than I guess how people believed in him or how people mm. were trying to, were leaning on him. It fit in his mannerisms, mm-hmm. how he was uh, a very uh, old-fashioned guy. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. like he was always talking about the old-school Knicks. How he was talking. Oh, by the way, Knicks suck. Um, I know I'm living in Harlem and all, but Knicks suck. <laughs> Some people have to deal with that fact. Um, but like, I mean. He, the way he talked to people, the way Claire was always calling out his corniness, Mm -hmm. uh, the whole coffee thing, which is like old school Netflix and chill. Yep. Like he was, he's just a really like old soul in a, you know, middle, uh, middle aged kind of youngish body.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, um, I totally agree that, um, he really is very old school and he carries himself a certain way and wants to be seen as um respectful and you know is always trying to do what's right um and honestly i know there are times in the in the season when he's like he wants to do what's right but he also wants to kind of like keep himself out of trouble but then obviously that never works out um right but That's what makes him, I think, interesting and such an important um, hero, especially like this, what's happening. If I also am ignoring what's happening in the comics with Captain America, I am also trying (laughs) to not pay attention to everything that's happening in, I'm not saying I'm not voting, I'm just done listening to the rhetoric that's happening in politics right now. Um, but Luke is such an important figure. So, I mean, they knew what they were doing when they made the series. That's all I'm going to say. And I think the show uh, runners did a fantastic job with Luke.
0: Right. And and what he represents, especially nowadays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, though, that popped up, uh, and I guess we said, uh, I brought it up in the previous recording. And I guess maybe I've had more time to think about it now. Is that, so... Luke's voice, it comes from a very old-school Black man mm-hmm. uh, perspective. He's pretty much like a Black dad, in a way. Uh, a younger Black dad, but a Black dad, nonetheless. And then, uh, uh, what's his name? Pop fit the right. even older Black man thing. Misty fit the more, uh, how how's it say, the Black political end? The Black establishment end pretty much the black like you know a black cop a very you know pretty much going the line of uh supporting authority but also supporting the neighborhood what i feel like the show lacked was a black voice within um not even not even just today's generation but even my own generation mm-hmm. i always like i always felt like the good the good guys were of a generation before right uh there was n- interesting n- uh all the kids were either complete fools like the kids that that tried the robbery or they were kind of like on the side they were never really there's never really a voice for them. And I mean it, it I I've seen critiques from other uh black nerds that you know delved into it in a far more extreme way where mm-hmm. somebody was like I remember I remember reading a review that called Luke Cage a black conservative. And I'm like, he has ways to go before he's Stacey Dash. Ways <laughs> oh to go. Oh my
1: god. Oh Stacy Dash. I had forgotten she existed.
0: <sighs> but I mean, I, I get I get the I some people when they when they see I guess older views when they when they hear those older perspectives mm-hmm. it brings out some of the some of the issues that was actually highlighted in uh I believe manifest the last episode of Cottonmouth, Mouth which hmm again, I have to say, is the best episode in Netflix and Mar- Marvel um, pretty much ever. It's the best episode. Better than the Punisher episodes. Mm-hmm. Better than even some of the best of uh, Jessica Jones. It, to me, was the deepest and darkest episode
2: yeah.
0: I'd ever seen. The, the, just the subject matter of of toxic patriarchy and how that manifested in so many ugly ways and how it ruined both Cottonmouth and Mariah mm-hmm. and turned them against each other in a way that nobody would have expected but it was such a it was such a I guess unconsolable difference that by the time they both got heated somebody had to
2: die.
1: Right. Right. No, um gosh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I agree it's a really, really, really good episode. But I don't know if I can say it's my personal favorite. Or I, I think it's the best episode just because now I'd have to go back and rewatch everything. Um, <laughs> because, like, my favorite moment, hands down, is when um, Daredevil is trying to rescue the little kid. And as he's fighting, he just keeps getting more and more tired. And I, what I remember when I was watching I was like, wow, this is completely different. You never, ever see the superhero week and like actually human. And I just thought it was right. so important. And I just loved that moment that like, for me, that's always been like the best thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, it was a really good episode. I just. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and like, I guess for me and I, and this is probably why it, it probably had more impact for me and it probably had quite a bit of impact for uh others is that you don't you don't really see i mean you see it sometimes you see it in like the occasional shows maybe they have some like crazy drunk dad that's like messing up the sun you're like oh you gotta be a man and blah mm-hmm. blah blah but the way that they were able to portray i guess that how uh God, I, I forgot uh, Mariah's mom's name.
1: Um, um, mama. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's mom. Mama. Oh, what is it? I can hear her saying, okay, IMDB, you're coming to help. Because I can't. <laughs> but,
0: um, yeah, her, like, by the way, Black, Black Mariah in the comics looks more like Mariah's mom in the show. Huh. Um, so, it was almost like a, kind of like a throwback. But, mm. but um, the way they were able to show how, how the uh, the father, like the father figure, had was like so supportive of Cottonmouth's other endeavors. Like he didn't even want him in the game, but was so detrimental to Mariah. Was so did so much harm to her, and how even the mother despite the fact that she was supporting uh mariah allowed uh, like to a point she allowed that to happen it was only when uh the father started messing around with her business that's when he had to go Mm -hmm. but when he was when he was uh raping mariah it didn't matter to her and then to top that all off, she was then uh, she then essentially ruined Cottonmouth by forcing him to get into the game by killing his own father figure. Right. I mean that is and the, by the way it was framed by the way like the argument spilled off. It was almost like you. It was almost like it was almost fixed to make to internally resent each other to the point yeah. where like they when they finally aired their grievances they were both like mariah just flipped the lid yeah i mean it's one thing the it's one thing to, you know have go like get really angry and hit somebody and like you know cry over it and be like i'm so sorry i i just didn't know what came over me it's another thing to flip a lid knock somebody out the window, walk all the way downstairs, and finish the deed. That means, yeah. like, he had to go.
1: Like, that was a lot of pent-up rage that she had inside of her. At not only him, but at her um, father. Oh, the yeah. The mom's name and is Mama mother, Mabel. Like, yeah, and her mother.
0: Yeah, Mama Mabel, that's it.
1: Um, What's and so like, interesting... Those- oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh.
0: And like you could and like it was it was built up even in some like in like really subtle moments, and afterwards too, where she would look at a picture of Mama Mabel and like talk to herself really angrily mm-hmm and <laughs> and what sucks the most is that by the end of it, she became a twisted version of Mama Mabel anyway,
1: yeah, like she was working so hard to. Be you know um above board, and just like do genuine good for Harlem, but you can outrun your destiny <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah What's and so in- oh
1: I'm so sorry i'm I, I keep interrupting you I'm a chatty Cathy
0: oh no, it's because of the lag, uh go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, what's really um, interesting about uh, Cottonmouth is that um, Jeff Loeb, who is, like, my favorite comic book writer, so the fact that he is the executive producer for Marvel's TV division just makes me so happy. Um, He was saying that um, Cottonmouth is the other hero of the story, which I think can be said about um, most of the villains we've seen so far, like with um, Fisk and maybe to an extent Kilgrave, but definitely Fisk. Cause he definitely thought he was doing the, uh, doing right by his city. But I thought that was an interesting um, description of Cottonmouth.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty, uh, for a good while, it was about two different sides that had, Actually, three different sides that had very different ideas of what Harlem needed to be. I'd even say four if you add Misty. Mm. Uh, Luke Luke had an idea of what Harlem needed to be, which is pretty much as it was. Just expanded and like really nice and stuff. Uh, and then Cottonmouth's idea was pretty much him running it. And Mariah's idea was her running it, but very differently than how Cottonmouth would run it. Uh, hers would be far more political his apolitical and the fight between political and apolitical is a fight that black people have had since post-slavery i mean it was the booker t washington uh w e b Bois. Mm-hmm. it was the and, and like and like malcolm x and huey and uh huey newton and like and stokely carmichael compared to like a malcolm uh uh mlk junior and a uh, boyardustin like just that divide has always been there and to see it uh, in superhero form was a major shock and i mean, i i'm i was been trying to figure out like who my favorite villain is because there's so many to choose from uh, whether it be the wacky Diamondback, uh, Cottonmouth, who, had a, who was just so cool but like such a tragic character, or Mariah just rising up the ranks, but my favorite, my favorite villain is Shades.
1: Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. He's honestly like Doug Silver. That's who he is.
0: Exactly. That's the perfect comparison. Yeah. I know you brought it up in the, our previous attempts on recording this, but like. He is essentially villain Doug Stamper, mm-hmm. but I feel like the the, mm-hmm. the one difference between him and Stamper, and it might have to do with the fact that uh, the Underwoods are actually really competent. But you can always tell when a villain is doing something wrong when Shade's mm-hmm. just when you can see Shade sighing or looking down yes. or like. He has to talk to him a little bit. Like, wait, do you know what you're doing right now? Like, he was always, like, there to, like... He was almost, like, a permanent vice president. (laughs)
2: Like,
0: like, I I really hope you understand. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he just... I totally agree, because he always seemed to be, like, slightly disapproving (laughs) of, like, what everyone around him was doing. But, like... What was so great was just he was so bad, but so good at what he did. And, okay, like, my favorite moment (laughs) was when, I think it's Turk. I'm really bad with names, and I should know his name. But it's Turk, who, like, decided he was going to take his shades because he was going to be shades now. Oh, my God. What a terrible idea. Yeah,
0: and 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 it really culminated his just massive pity on zip the fact that he wasn't nearly as cool as his dad the fact that he was just never like he never liked zip he didn't want him around and the fact that he took his shades of all things when he was gone it's like just the culmination of all that hatred it's just like dude he's such a punk
1: yeah what was so interesting was how Shades worked differently with each antagonist in the series. That was fascinating to watch.
0: Oh yeah. Um the way he was the way he worked around all three villains, uh Diamondback, Cottonmouth and Mariah, the way he worked around all three of them was and it wasn't even like he worked around them the same way. He always handled them differently. With uh Cottonmouth it was more like you know like He was acting on Diamondback's behalf. So he was always, like, essentially trying to make sure that Cottonmouth understood the bottom line. There wasn't any tension. There wasn't that much tension between them because they were cool. They were cool with each other. But when it came to Diamondback, it was all about, like, look, you need like, what the hell are you doing? And it, it went even further than that to, like, look we don't particularly like each other. And when this is done, we're probably Mm going to try to kill each other.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
0: but like, seriously, don't fuck this up. And (laughs) the tension between, the tension between Diamondback and Shades, I like Mm -hmm. it. It was the best part of the hostage situation to me. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, Just watching them like, get more and more annoyed of each other the way like like diamondback would say some of these like really just like he'd do and say these really wacky things like him calling the grenade launcher the panty dropper i was just like oh my god shades must be so annoyed at this guy
1: yes like oh how ridiculous must he have felt like man I am working with an idiot. Like, oh my god, when can I get out of here? This is ludicrous. Like, for real? This guy? Like, you can't just go around shooting bazookas at people when you're mad. Like, you're insane. He must have been like, I'm working with a madman. Honestly. He must have just been like, what have I gotten myself into? But, switching gears. Why did it end that way? Why did the show end that way? Who said it could do that also, first of all. And why were there so many cliffhangers? Like, that was the first time, to my knowledge, like Daredevil and Jessica Jones wrapped everything up neatly. So why did they decide to not do that with this show? I was honestly really not expecting all of those cliffhangers. Like, there was just too many. There was just too many. Honestly, I was just sitting there and I was like, what the hell? Like, it just wasn't okay. And I mean, obviously it's gotten me pumped for season two, but it was just such a shock to my system that I was like, this is just not okay. This is not okay. Like everything Luke and everyone in the show has worked for has gone to the crapper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, the way
0: they ended it was such a was such a different like Mariah getting out free, uh, all of Misty Knight's efforts just going down the tubes, and she knew it, and it it broke her to the point where she just got, like, you could tell by the, her, the last shot of her that she had turned into something very different. Uh, the fact that Luke ended the whole season not, uh, not just victorious, but also in the back of a police car. Like, it was just... So he different than what, what you'd expect. Yeah. He didn't even get his coffee. That nice Cuban coffee.
1: Yeah. Um, What was interesting about the show to me was that it felt a lot different from the other Marvel shows that we've seen from Netflix up to this point. Um, because it tackled subjects that were really heavy and were a lot bigger than Luke Cage himself. Like... All of the other shows so far, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, have um, been about the titular character and their struggles personally, and like a little bit about New York and a little bit about Hell's Kitchen. But with Luke Cage, we saw a show that was about much more than one character. It was about a group of people and their community. That's why I mean, it made sense that it was so focused in on Harlem. And I honestly loved that the show did not shy away from what is happening, what, what is uh, currently happening in, um, you know, this country with m- minorities and African Americans. And I really truly applaud the showrunner for just like using Luke Cage as a soapbox and as an opportunity to address something bigger than itself. And I think that's why, as I said earlier, this show doesn't feel like, you know, a superhero show because it is something different and it took the opportunity to be something different and be so incredibly politically oriented which is so different and i think that's one of the reasons why it ended up working out and coming all together yeah
0: i agree uh structurally uh i mean this season i i i enjoyed it a lot um i feel like it handled a lot of important it, it was it was slow in the beginning but i feel like for what it was aiming for the fact that it was a story beyond link and more about harlem i feel like that sl- that slow take was necessary it really helped it out uh where i was a little I guess, like, worried that we're about to see the, the infamous Netflix problem, where it feels like the show is just extending too long, was when Luke got hit by the Judas bullet and was, like, pretty much out for the count until the doctor helped him out um i was i was worried that the the show was going to drag on too too long and i'll admit when i when i watch the show again um the parts that i tend not to like care as much about it is the part where he's stuck with doctor and they need to like you know re essentially uh redo how he got his powers just to get him out of his near-death experience I feel like the parts that really made me um you know keep an eye on th- those scenes were uh you know watching how the portrayal of Riva changed over time how how it, it changed the, it changed uh pretty much Luke's motivation.
1: Yeah, no, totally. It was really interesting to see how um all the revelations with Riva kind of changed And made Luke step back for a second be like, okay, well, everything I was fighting for and everything I believed in is, you know, not what I thought it was. And this woman who I was in love with is not who I thought she was. So that moment was the most interesting part. But I totally agree. I was not interested in the other parts with the doctor. And, I mean, it was kind of cool to see Claire be like, no, I got this. Like, I know what I'm doing. You know, step aside. But other than that, it was it was it was very boring. (laughs) It was very boring indeed. I just didn't care. Uh,
0: But yeah, beyond that, yeah. Oh, go go for it. Sorry about that.
1: No, I mean, all I wanted to say was what annoyed me so much was the really obvious crown motif. Like they really threw that in the viewer's face, and. It could have been done much more um, with much more subtlety. So it just kind of bothered me. They're like, "Oh, look! Like everyone wants to wear the crown, including me, and we're just gonna make." I mean, visually it was really cool, but just I thought it was (laughs) done poorly. I don't know. I kind of felt, yeah,
0: right. And it it feels even weirder. When you think of, when you see what happens in Manifest or episode, uh, the episode where Cottonmouth dies, and you find out he never actually wanted to be a part of any of it. So watching him talk about the crown and all that, you're just like, well, that just feels weird. <laughs> He's talking about something he never truly wanted, like. And you mm-hmm. can see it when he's playing in, on his mm-hmm. piano. That's what he wanted to do. Not not be like, you know, a Tony Montana figure.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, like, other than that, I really liked um, Luke Cage. Um, I mean, much more than I originally thought, just based on the first episode. But um, I like it a lot better than um, season two of Daredevil. Or, but I haven't really, you know, like quite finished that yet but um i mean i should though
0: um did you get past the punisher parts
1: no i haven't i did not really care for them (laughs) it kind of bored me (laughs) yeah i don't know just wasn't as intriguing as fisk like just wasn't i didn't care about it as much i wasn't into it because like fisk is the best he is the greatest and punisher was just like really boring to me he was just so like oh, so many tragic things happened to me, and now I'm doing this. I just didn't care. He did not have the same, um, he didn't have that same spark that made Fisk so interesting to me. Because Fisk was fascinating because he didn't know fully what he was doing was wrong. Like, he genuinely thought that he was the hero. And that's why I liked watching him so much, because he was unaware of how twisted <coughs> what he, he, what he do- was doing. I can't talk. I cannot talk. Huh? That's
0: a that's a take I, I rarely hear. I mean, personally, I'm not the biggest Punisher fan either, so I agree with you. But I and it's also because yeah, same here. I absolutely love Wilson Fisk. Um, I I loved how I I loved yeah I loved the fact that he considered himself such like essentially a savior, but also a guy that will murder you in the most heinous way if you mess with them. And the one thing that like I guess mm-hmm. I pick up on more so than other people do is the way that he fights like a gorilla when he's like when he's like angry, where he'll like literally clobber people. He'll like use like slam people with both his hands. Like yeah. essentially he fights like a gorilla. And it, it totally fits his like fits as a contrast to his like really quiet um, disposition until he like flips a lid
1: yeah yeah no and that's what makes him so interesting um and that's why i love watching him because like he could just like flip at any second and you did not want to mess with him i mean like was just great (laughs) and honestly the best and Punisher is boring, boo. <laughs> I was surprised that they didn't address the gentrification of Harlem. Um, I thought that was definitely going to come up, and it really surprised yeah, me. Yeah,
0: um, they did a little bit with Mariah's campaign, but they never mm-hmm. really they never really pushed it enough. Yeah. And that was also uh, – it's also – like, some people felt that they didn't push the, the issue of poly, uh, the NYPD – and mm-hmm. the people of Harlem as much. They mm-hmm. it, they were delving into it later on the season, especially when they especially when uh, Diamondback had taken out the police officer. Mm. Um, they they finally started delving into that tension, but they could have they could have done more with it. And I I yeah. feel like if there's a season two, they would definitely push it more.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, that scene also um... had
0: yeah that scene also had one of my my favorite i guess you can call them a cringe line both supposed to be cringe, so i don't know but like after diamondback killed the cop he was just yelling i'm luke cage i was just like oh my god you're such a dork
1: <laughs> yeah and oh my god the scene oh it was so stupid i was like well we have to look for luke cage because he said he was luke cage and like Really? They believe that? They believe the person would actually shout a crime would shout their name? The cops are that dumb? Oh my god, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe like and that's why it was so annoying when um Misty's um you know boss was like, "Oh, we believe you now." Like it oh, it was so cop procedural in that moment. It's oh, I can't. I can't handle it. I can't. You know? But <laughs> There's always season two I'm very much
0: looking forward It was a fantastic show I can't wait to see what they do with Iron Fist Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll be as good But hey So far so good
1: Exactly And we will be here to discuss it Iron Fist, Defenders (laughs) (laughs) If it's on Netflix We will talk about it We will be there